Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again as we continue this series looking at Habakkuk, casting concerning questions to God. In a previous episode, we looked at those questions Habakkuk had asked, lifting up this personal prayer to God of what really was burdening his heart. And now we get to see the Lord's response. And maybe a bit to refresh as we see Habakkuk's questions, they really revolved around this idea of what he was observing in the nation of Judah of injustice and, in, and violence. And really, maybe that's too first, kind of dissecting a bit. He asked really kind of three questions. And they aren't, as they all deal with this topic, they aren't all the same. They do ask different questions. Maybe take a closer look because we want to see how does the Lord answer these questions. What were these kind of questions we saw Habakkuk asking? So we... We saw these these questions from that first uh, first section that we read last time. Um, How long must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice, and why do you tolerate wrong? And three three unique questions there. Um, I guess if we if we simplify them. Um, we can we can think of them. How long must I keep praying for you to hear and deliver me? Um, why do I have to see so much sin go unpunished? And why are you, Lord, allowing evil? And you can see that they're unique, um, that it's not all the same idea, but there, there's uniqueness in the questions that are being asked. And maybe they kind of really build off one another, and maybe you see a similarity with some of the thoughts on your hearts and your minds. The first one really is, how long must I call? Asking the Lord, are you listening? How long must I keep praying for you to hear me? And then it's okay, hear what I, what's on my heart. Though, why are you making me look? This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm experiencing. And then it builds to that next step of why do you tolerate it, God? And so that first, are you listening? How long, Lord? How long do I, must I wait? Because I keep looking. I keep seeing. Why do you, why are you having me to see these things in my life? And then why are you tolerating it? Because you are a just God. And so now we get to listen to the Lord's answer. And as we mentioned in the past time, it's not going to be an answer or rebuke. But it is interesting how the Lord answers. Habakkuk chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong, their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. 
when I hear those verses, it just kind of makes you quake in your boots a little bit uh, to find out these things about the Babylonians and that this is how they, they operated um, and this is who they were. I mean, some of those descriptions are just like, whoa, um, this, is, this is not good that, that they're going to come for us. Um, some of those descriptions with the, the horses swifter than leopards, the uh, fiercer than wolves, uh, some of the strategies or things that they were doing, all those things are like, whoa, that's a big judgment that you're bringing. And realize to see how God describes them. They're not godly people. In fact, they mean they have gods for themselves that even as you recognize what did Habakkuk ask, he was his what was on his heart was the law has paralyzed. And he says, the Babylonians, they're a law for themselves. And it, it does make you laugh a little bit just about how, how God himself is describing them. Um, just, number one, this huge force, but then, like, like you said, they, not only are they this amazing force, but they are also, um, you look at those descriptions, and that's not God-pleasing. <laughs> not at all. And then you think about these questions that Habakkuk asked. And this is how the Lord responds. Um, the question's first, how long must I call for help? And well, how does the Lord answer that? First, look, something in your days. Okay, God said, soon. And that's that in some ways is entirely refreshing and um, just a little bit shocking because I think you can play on this a little bit and you can... It's, it's kind of a little bit of a joke that you can have to say like, okay, so, so often in, Bible, in the Bible we read about these things and then um, the people are told, you know, Adam is wait, like waits his whole life. And so often the people wait for so long for things to happen. Um, and we can get into that mindset too as we wait for Judgment Day. And yet here is a different answer. Like let's not oversimplify God in, in the way that he answers prayers and does things. Here's a wonderful example of God saying this will happen during your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to see, recognize there, okay, as he says, in your days. And so as Habakkuk is roughly about 600 or so, I mean, it's, it's just a handful of years before the Babylonians do come right there. And to recognize, okay, the length there of Sud, it wasn't next week, but it was within a couple of years. And that is soon. I mean, really, Habakkuk would see it in his life. It was not, okay, soon generations after. But yet at the same time, then you look at those questions, why do you make me look at injustice? And what does God say? Look at the nations and watch. He says, keep watching. Again, I I laugh a little bit at that because it's almost like, you want injustice? Here's more injustice. (laughs) Yeah, and be utterly amazed at it. Why do you make me look? Oh, keep looking. You need to look at this. But it's not that you're going to see a lack of injustice now. It's not that you're going to see completely the law being upheld in its most holiness. What I want you to look at is more injustice. And you, I just think of both of those responses, and both of them are, are shocking. They're probably not what Habakkuk um, was expecting. And even for us as the readers, they're definitely not what we... Like, if we were to have said before this, how do you expect God to respond to these? I don't think that we would have picked these responses. Yeah, and that's, I think, you know, bring us in the readers. An interesting thing here, it doesn't necessarily come out as you read it, but it, it does come out as God initially proclaims it in the original Hebrew. Initially, as Habakkuk lifts up, we mentioned this is his personal prayer. As God responds, 
he responds not just saying, I'm speaking to you, Habakkuk, but I'm speaking to the nation, to the people. It's really, he speaks, these are in your days, plural, not just you, Habakkuk. It's when I tell you to look, it's not just you, Habakkuk, look, it's you, plural, look and be amazed. And in some ways in that you get a, I, I mean, I guess I think of it as a way that only God can respond um, and, and you kind of marvel at his wisdom um, in being able to do that as he hits two things with it, right? Well, and really so many more than two things because there's all these people that are hit with that message. And that really gets down to you know, that third one. Why do you tolerate wrong? And really God's saying, I don't. I don't tolerate it. Look, I'm bringing, I'm bringing the Babylonians. They're going to come and they are going to carry out justice against the injustice you've seen. But at the same time, that doesn't seem satisfactory. Because, okay, why do you tell it wrong? You're bringing someone who does more wrong? You can see the issue that, that that can very much bring. And maybe that's where you recognize, okay, bring it to how does the Lord answer it's not the ways we say that you might expect. It's not necessarily the answers we're looking for. Look and be amazed at how he does. He's not limited by the ways we've come up with, with what the answers we think we, it should be. And that's such a beautiful truth to, to hold on to, is that in our knowledge and we're, we're limited in the way that we're approaching problems and, and knowledge, God's not limited with any of those things. And maybe that's, you know, as we raise these questions that concern our hearts to the Lord, to simply listen to what the Lord says, look, look and be amazed, not look for what you think, but look and be amazed. Just that initial response, it kind of, I think, ties into what, um, what God had proclaimed about his answer, saying that I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And I just think that those, those two ideas tie together so, so nicely that when we look, we see that things are happening like this, even though it doesn't necessarily always seem or feel like, oh, this is this amazing thing. But when we really think about it and we think about God's hand in it, we see we stand back again and, and are amazed by it. And that maybe, no, raises another question. Does God work in unbelievable ways? He says these would be ways that you would not believe, even if you were told. Right. Does God work in unbelievable ways? I think he, just looking at the, the historical context here, we see how this was, in what sense was this unbelievable? Um, you look at this nation that Habakkuk clearly knew who they were, but then they're going to come. So it, it becomes a question of like, okay, is this nation, this nation doesn't seem like they are going to be able to come all the way to us in Israel. They don't seem like a threat to us, but God says, yes, they are. And this will happen. Um, so to me, it, it helps us to see maybe the way in which even amazing things happen in our day that, that God does do, that he does do those things. Um, but they may not always be the, the amazing things that that we attribute as amazing things. And that's where I wonder if maybe we can now yeah, take this even a step further, recognizing it's not, certainly not what we'd expect. God works in ways we don't expect. Um, but also then recognize, are his ways unbelievable at times? Because he says, it'd be un that you, not just Habakkuk, seeking to hold, that you would not believe it if you were told. How many times I think about this, looking through 
the scriptures did God tell about the captivity of the Babylonians that he was bringing? It's not just here. Right. Did everyone believe it? And I, I think the, it would seem like, no, they, they couldn't have. It was too far off. It was, they, you know, who are these people? Um, they can't make their way here. They can't, um, they can't uh, do this to us. And I think that, that that tells us something, I think, in understanding and a little bit better, too, is understanding the world at this time is not as connected as it is today, where we can look and say, you know, any country is in some way capable of launching some attack on another country um, as we look at weapons of war, um, jets, things like that. It wasn't the case during this time. So we can look at that, I think, and see, like, that's another part of this that, that kind of gets unwrapped a little bit, that there were attacks against other nations that seemed... To the point of impossible. Highly, 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 highly improbable. And then maybe too, as we have the perspective of being afterwards, recognize how many of God's people also had this share the perspective. Did they believe that this was God's way of bringing justice, of way of really God's answer to the prayer of Habakkuk here? Or did they look at it as this was some great calamity upon us? And I guess when you look at that, the, the part that becomes unfortunate is knowing that it was proclaimed to them that that's not what this was, right? And that's where I think, you know, recognize, are there times when God proclaims things to us that we just don't believe it? Not that we don't trust in God. Not that we don't have our faith in Him, that we don't cling to our Savior. But specific things that God says that really sometimes are unbelievable in our hearts even though he's told us. What are some things that, that I guess fit into that, that box for you? Yeah, you know, and that's, you know, maybe the unique perspective as we look at this and recognize as we apply to our lives, God hasn't necessarily specifically told us, this is a specific thing he said to the Babylonians. But some of the, you know, broader promises that he's given to us, things that he turned suffering to good, he uses it for good. Things of, you know, even maybe connecting with Habakkuk, he says he hears the prayers of his people. Things like that. Things that he says, yeah, he is going to, you know, think, talk about signs of the end of the age. These are going to happen. And these are not things now to be trembling and quaking in fear at. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm latching onto the prayer one a little bit because it's one that you can play out a little bit more. You think of the logistics of it, and I can express the truth to you, and I can say, yes, I, I believe and I know that God hears all prayers. But at the same time, like, subconsciously almost, is it like this, This okay, but then the logistics of this mean that all believers, when they call on God, he knows and responds to all of that. And from what, from what I experience and know as a human, that's not possible. So it almost becomes this thing of, yes, I believe and confess it's true, but like you said, is it, is it really believable? And that's the thing we find, once again, it's not saying that the faith is gone by any means, but we find oh, sometimes in our lives we have weaknesses in specific promises of God, in specific promises, whether it is God is hearing my prayer, whether it is God really gives only what is a blessing for me. Whether it is God is really with me. Things like those promises of what God has declared, what God does, all of a sudden. 
Um, sometimes it can be the weakness. You know, we find something insurmountable. And the weakness is that God really has the power over this thing. And it's all of a sudden you get so alarmed and worked up because we find, okay, not that I don't trust in God, but I'm not clinging to this promise. For in my heart, the sinful nature is, is saying it's unbelievable. Um, maybe another tangible example that can connect to with Habakkuk, okay, God said persecution was coming to his church. He said that so many times. And to recognize, he also says that he uses it. And yeah, we can look in Scripture and find many cases where he does. And so when hard times come upon God's people, to not immediately think, oh, this is some weight and burden only now that we must bear. Where is God in this? How could God let this? In fact, to cling to pro maybe God has a unique blessing to bring about through it. And that maybe ties into, okay, you, the natural one, obviously, I think to think about is the pandemic. That, okay, did God tell us the pandemic was coming? No, he did not. This is not, he has not spoken through his prophet like he did Habakkuk and proclaimed that to him. But in a general sense, he said that there would be disease and death. And that can be in a broad way, that can also be in a very personal way as it hits each of our homes and lives. And sometimes, even though we've heard God say it before, so many times he said it, doesn't seem unbelievable. And I think you, you just look at, at, again, the effects of this pandemic and you, like, if we were to ask these questions of, could this event, like, I don't know, like March Madness. Will March Madness ever just be done? Will uh, for take a year break? Would you know you go through all those things that you would say like this would have been impossible? There's so much money involved in it. Um, there's no way that all of these things could be stopped, and they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, or they have been at least. And you look at that and you say, it's a, it is that. It is this unbelievable. <laughs> it ties so closely to that. And then unbelievable in thinking that. This, in some way, is fitting into the will of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yet, that's what he proclaims. And so, I think God's words here really push us to say, you know, there are times where our hearts may not be really fully trusting these things, these words. And that's where, okay, we got to keep going back to look, look what God's telling us about this now. And that's where I think with the neat perspective as God shows us with the Babylonians lifting up, yeah, I'm sure plenty of God's people weren't believing that this was in line with God's will of what's taking place and just saw it as another thing crushing and almost God walking away. But you look, look what he says here, how this is actually really all fitting into his purpose. As you read through here and seeing what God says about the Babylonians then, and it is just striking how evil they are, mm -hmm. but yet at the same time he says, I am raising up the Babylonians. It almost puts on the side, well, are they instruments of God's judgment or are they instruments of evil? Which one is it? And it, it's a, I think that question um, is one that it, it, you get a little bit... Um, 
uncomfortable even like thinking about it, um, just in the sense of, okay, judgment or evil, and trying to weigh like, okay, what is that? What does that exactly mean? Um, so I guess I think that's like important in, in trying to um, unpack and understand this um, is just, okay, what do we mean when we, when we talk about an instrument of judgment or an instrument of evil? I guess when I hear that phrase, instrument of evil, you look at something and you say, okay, that means that this is something that is just bad. Um, and it is just this evil thing and an instrument of just judgment. Then we kind of want to divorce the two and think of it as different. And you know, maybe that thought too, when you say instrument, okay, someone is behind it. Mm -hmm. And that's where you see there between judgment and evil, there are two completely different people. And I say people not thinking, okay, humans, but two different, completely different people behind it. An instrument of judgment, who is behind that? You have to say God, right? God. But the instrument of evil, who's behind that? Satan. Exactly. And so all of a sudden you see, well, yeah, here, where is the, there's a conflict here. But you look at, okay, what did God say? He said, I am raising up the Babylonians, but then how he describes them. Mm-hmm. It's not an either or, really, at that point. Which I think can lead us again to marvel at God's power in saying, like, not that either or, but to say he is using this to accomplish that will of, of his judgment, which is just, again, it's, wow, um, this seems like something uncontrollable, this seems incompatible, and yet he does that. And that's where I think, yeah, it sometimes makes it challenging to believe, and, but recognize the instrument of judgment, the one who's behind the judgment is greater than the one who's behind the evil. Mm -hmm. And just because the one is going to use for judgment doesn't mean he's going to remove all the evil as he does it. Yeah. In fact, you see the power that he can use this, not approve of it, not support it, not say that this is now what is good, the evil, but how he can then turn it to accomplish his will. Maybe another thing that we can add to, to kind of help um, illustrate that picture a little bit, because I think it does help to see that so well, is what we read at the beginning of the book of Job. Um, and we get a chance to kind of see this conversation and um, to think of then the beginning of Job where Satan is coming and he's, he's like asking God, can you remove this hedge? I want to do these things to your servant Job. And God allows him to do that. He's not able to do it without God saying, go ahead and do it. But then to see then how God uses that to strengthen Job's faith. Yeah, that additional layer there. It's not that just God allows evil. I mean... Okay, there's certainly a comfort there to recognize it's all within God's power and that it only can happen with allow, but that it's going, he is going to then use it to serve his purpose to bring about blessings. And it, it just now, it, again, is, and I, I've said this a number of times, but it is simply something that is, that brings awe to think of things that to us, in our understanding of things, seem to just be random and uncontrollable. And to know that our God is so powerful that those things that we view as random and uncontrollable are things that he guides and directs. Yeah, and then as we look here too, okay, God's bringing a blessing. The blessing that he's telling Habakkuk he's bringing about is justice. And that too is something that I, that's not always how I think about God is, as this is something that he does that he, I, I hate to say interested in, but something that is 
part of who he is, bringing about this justice. But that is exactly what, what he does here, and that's the answer to his prayer, is here is this, this justice for this injustice that has been going on amongst your people. And again, the, the answer and the way that he goes about doing that is unexpected and seems <laughs> not what you would expect. Yeah, and then I think that it ties into, okay, as we, once again, looking in our lives, what we see, what we're experiencing, okay, how can we latch on? How can we find, okay, putting our trust in God as he's carrying out judgment in our lives? And I think it's one of those things we got to, we want to cling to what God says, but not take it too far beyond what God says. And that's maybe the question too. Okay, instrument of judgment, well, we see him using things that are evil to do it. Are there things that we should be careful about as we look in our lives of saying, well, pointing, this is God's judgment here? I definitely think so. And I say that because we don't have this very clear directive from God or this revealing of what he's done with so many of the things that are going on with us today. Um, where if we take that and we say that, we're saying more than what God says. At the same time, can we look at them and in a more general way talk about, yes, does God bring about judgment through very, yes, he, he does, but can I say that this particular thing is a judgment for this other thing. I can't do that because God hasn't revealed that to me. And I think that's the key because we you cannot say, well, it's judgment upon this injustice. Right, right. And I think when we say those things, um, we are, we're saying more than we should. Um, and I think that in some ways when we do that, I guess I just think of the, the selfishness in that and the limited view of being able to say, in my scheme of morality, this thing is so horrible that God had to have sent this other thing to, to judge it. And when I put it that way, you know, I feel foolish even saying that. And it's because it just review, um, just brings out this limited view of, yeah, this is something that affects me and really bothers me. God must judge it instead of realizing God's ways are greater than my ways. God knows more than I do. And I think that's really what uh, God is really expanding with this dialogue with Habakkuk here. You need to you just see there's more than you see. There's more than what your eyes are showing you. And to start unraveling and saying, I work on a much grander way. Things that may even seem unbelievable at times. And so whether it's from the hands of humans, other nations doing things, things that really you might say, okay, maybe it's evil upon others. You can't be so quick to point, well, it's because of this injustice that they did. They're deserving of this. No, if it's evil, who's behind evil? Always the devil. Always the devil. Or always the human sinful nature behind it. It's not God. But then to, to say, all right, what God we see here, God does, is he does still use this. And so does God carry out his judgment using evil he does and so not to pinpoint as you said i think that this is specifically is for this injustice not in whether it's the hands of humans whether it's natural things of hurricanes and earthquakes not to say well that's why because the morality was corrupted because but to still be able to proclaim that truth properly god carries out his judgment with things that are evil and i i guess the the interesting 
really practical way for us to think about this right now is ultimately to, to I think, talk about it in terms of the pandemic. How can we talk about that pandemic and God's judgment properly? And that's the thing, and maybe you've heard other people say on, one, on some extent, this is God's judgment on the world. One of the things that I think is, is funny about that is I think like if we had a world perspective on this, because this is something that is unique in our time in that the whole world is being impacted by it. So I think it's a little bit interesting to say, well, the United States of America and our media um, and in our like, we can look at it and we can look at things here. And then somewhere like a different country, Brazil or Italy would look at it and say this. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of helpful to see that, to see it that grand scale of God again, um, and to take a step back and see, no, we can't do that just we, with our limited knowledge. Because what's the injustice you're pointing to? Different all it, over the world. Different all right? the world. And who are you to make then point that that injustice and say that this is what, can we say God, is God carrying out judgment through the pandemic? I think absolutely. Now, what kind, in what ways? I don't know the mind of God. And I think one thing that you said there that is really important, though, is is I, I do think I have you have to agree with that, right? Um, I think it's really hard to to say that God is not carrying out judgment using COVID nineteen, using this pandemic. Um, you want I think it's fair to proclaim that as truth to say yes, He is. But again, you cannot be so specific as to say, well, this bad thing is going on, and this is. Uh, COVID-19 is the judgment against that. And then I think it's also important, too, to tie right as back into Habakkuk. This is Habakkuk, because the Lord's response to Habakkuk's prayer of, Lord, deliver us by being just, by not tolerating injustice, to recognize and say, we can also at the same time, and should proclaim, COVID-19 is also God's act of grace and mercy. Yeah. And that's something that... Um, I, just a number of reminders of that recently too, but um, yeah, that grace and mercy in COVID um, and thinking of where do we see that grace and mercy? And it's hard at times because the way that it gets portrayed and talked to us about is not through that perspective of Christianity. It's not through that perspective of this, this lens of God. Um, but when we do that, we can see that grace. And what are some of the things about COVID-19 that, that, that are God's grace and mercy at work? You know, maybe God's grace and mercy of, in some ways, waking up to things that we ever said in ways at times, things that we were not realizing opportunities. And that's, you know, maybe similar to Habakkuk. It's a, a wake up, not a, okay, you need to wake up because you were really in the wrong, but wake up, look at what opportunity there is. Yeah. there are, And there are so many different things that I think tie into that. Um, I mean... I think one of the things that so many people um, just identifying right now with, like, it means something to be gathered together with other people. Um, and this is something that I think, like, everyone identified. So many people would have said that, but suddenly it just becomes this, oh, we really need And I this. love that example, especially as we talk about Habakkuk with the Babylonians coming, because what's going to happen with the Babylonians, he's going to take them into captivity. Yep. And they aren't going to be together. Yeah, separates them, right? And it's okay. It, and that appreciation for, yeah, God's people together. But it almost does now as we look at this and realize, okay, God does carry out his judgment. He uses that instruments, even those that are evil. It does all of a sudden start to spark in the head, though, another concerning question. 
And that's something that we're going to get to see Habakkuk raising. Well, what about their evil? How do you tolerate that? And so that's something we're going to get to wrestle with next time as we look at Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 12 and following. Let's close with prayer. Lord, you are a just God and also a God who hears our prayers by your mercy. Listen to our prayer and ask that you would strengthen our faith to trust in the promises you have given to us, even when our hearts may find them unbelievable. May you continue to speak that word to see the wondrous ways you are working beyond what we could ever imagine. May that give us the comfort to continue to call on you, the confidence to continue to serve you by faith, not by sight. In your name we pray. Amen.